Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the On The Court Podcast. This is episode three. Today, we're going to be reviewing the second game for all the first-round matchups, talking about the NBA lottery, and doing our predictions for the NBA 2020 draft. David, thoughts on the first game, Nets-Raptors? Uh, that was a good game. The first game with the Nets-Raptors. Um, I thought the Nets had it for a second, but they played a really poor fourth quarter, and Fred Van Vliet wasn't playing too well the first three quarters and really popped off. Um the Raptors took it uh, by five. Um, Garrett Temple had an impressive game with 21 points. Mm-hmm. And Karis LeVert had another double-double. And Joe Harris and Jared Allen both had 14 and 15, which was impressive. But the Raptors were just too much to handle. Uh, Van Vliet got off to a slow start but finished with 24 and 10. And Lowry finished with 21 and nine boards. Uh, and Norman Powell had a huge game off the bench. Uh, scoring 24 points. Um, I expected the Raptors to win, um, but I did expect the Nets to come out firing because they played really well in the bubble and they're really well coached. And Karis LeVert's been playing well. And, um, you know, I thought they had it for a second, but the defending champs showed who they are and why they're the f- defending champs. Mm-hmm. Ethan, what do you think about that game? Yeah, it was a good game. Probably a little closer than I expected, though. I mean, the Raptors are a contender for the to be the the, the title winners again, back to back season. I mean, a uh, poor free throw shooting from both teams, poor three point percentage, especially from the Raptors. They they had a better field goal percentage, though, which is good. I mean, Van Vliet has been super consistent in the bubble, even though he played forty three minutes, twenty four points. Norman Powell, twenty four, and uh. Cabarot, too, has been playing great. 17 yeah, points a game. Yeah, he has. Yeah, I mean, it was close than I expected, but, like, yeah, it's 2-0 Raptors. I think they're going to take this one in four. Yeah, I totally agree. Raptors in four. Brooklyn Nets aren't putting much of a fight. I mean, they, they seem like they're going to go on for a big run in, in the games, and they just let off. They start losing big in quarters. Like, they were winning in every quarter, it looks like. But let me just tell you about the Brooklyn Nets starting lineup. Uh, Cabaret, 6 for 16 from the field. It's not good. Karis LeVert, 5 for 22 from the field, 0 for 4 from the three. Garrett Temple, 6 for 13. Pretty decent. But Karis LeVert is their, like, their guy right now. He's the best player on the court, in my opinion. He needs to be scoring more and needs to be shooting better because he's the leader for this team, and this team needs a leader if they want to stand a chance against the Raptors. And when you look at the stats as well, you see Cabaret had a – Five fouls, Levert had four, and Joe Harris had five. But they didn't go very deep into their bench. They only used a um, an eight-man rotation with players uh, seven and eight only playing 12 and 15 minutes. So they really gave the starting lineup a heavy load when Coach Nick Nurse uh, played uh, nine guys, but guy number eight and nine only played five and six minutes. But – um, Van Vliet did play a lot of minutes, but it was needed because they were down. Yeah, and also just, like, talk about, like, the rotations. Like, yeah, the Brooklyn Nets didn't play. They only played eight-man. Uh, most of the – like, their starting lineup took so many minutes. Uh, but the Raptors, we had Terrence Davis, Chris Boucher, and Stanley Johnson not play at all. And those are some guys that would be some scoring options off the bench, showing that, like, we didn't really need them, but when we go into later rounds, we're going to start using maybe more players, maybe not. I don't know. We always have those extra players just in case things get a, 
little bit scary. Yeah, I just want to add that uh, Fred Van is only five rebounds away from a triple-double, which is pretty good. Yeah, especially for a small guy like him. Yeah. He's a feisty guy. The Raptors' mm-hmm. backcourt is one of the smallest in the NBA that I've seen. Yet one, yet one of the best. Yeah, they, they are very good. Underrated. But um, Marcus only played 17 minutes. Yeah, I, I see like – Didn't score know, at all. Serge Ibaka is definitely like the center that the Raptors are more confident in, playing him 26 minutes off the bench and starting Marcus Gasol only playing him 17 minutes. Marcus Gasol is just not as confident. He just take he took three or two shots the entire game in 17 minutes. So I think he needs to start shooting more, getting more confident, because then he'll start scoring more. So yeah. Yeah, agreed. Next game we got is the uh, the Jazz, the Nuggets, and um, the Jazz. Really, this was a statement game for them. They uh, beat the Nuggets 124 to 105 to make the series 1-1. Um, I know we talked about this two days ago that if the Jazz wanted to win, they were going to need some extra production and not have, not need Mitchell to score 57. Um, Mitchell shot the ball fantastic. He was 10 for 14 from the field, six for seven from downtown. He put up 30 points in only 33 minutes and had eight assists. Um, But guys like Rudy Gobert had 19-7 and had foul trouble and had five fouls. And then Joe Ingles had 18-6. and And probably the most surprising player, Jordan Clarkson, who has had some good bubble games. Um, he put up 26, 4, and 3. Um, this is his third 20-point game since entering the bubble, so he's really been a factor off the bench for them. Yeah, he's um, a very underrated player. And then on the Nugget side, MPJ was able to bounce back from his game one um, sh- shooting struggles, but Jamal Murray, who had such a great game one, was not able to turn it on. And Jokic was consistent with 28 points, 11 rebounds. And they, uh, the Nuggets did not get a lot of help from Paul Millsap, who only scored five points in 18 minutes. And um, Torrey Craig, who only scored, who scored zero points and only had two shots in 27 minutes of play. Uh, and they went very deep into their bench. I mean, by the time the game was over, um, Coach Mike Malone just put in all his guys, but – you know, if you ask me, I truly do think that Bobo needs minutes. I think he's so dynamic. You can put him at the three, the four, the five. He's so tall. He could shoot and he could pass. Um, this was a great game for the Jazz. Um, I think I had the Nuggets winning in seven. Um, yes, I did have the Nuggets in seven. I still think it can go either way in the game seven. I do think it will go to seven. But I think if the Nuggets want to win, they got to add Bobo into their rotation. I completely agree. I think Bull Bull, other than being a fan favorite, he's a great player. They need to play him more. They're, he's going to add a different versatility factor for the Nuggets. I think Nuggets in seven, but this is just to prove that this series, the Jazz aren't going to go out easy, or the Nuggets are going to go out easy, showing that the Nuggets went with the full rotation. They played everyone on their bench, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven people off the bench played. Same with the Jazz. Everyone used their bench quite opposite from the Raptors game that we saw that there was only like eight and like nine man rotations but I w- like I was saying yesterday on the or not yesterday episode two of the podcast that the jazz production was bad people weren't shooting good they completely turned it up with a field goal percentage of 51 and a three-point percentage of 45 which is a pretty good three-point percentage for a team 
Um, so their players started playing good. Jordan Clarkson, great production off the bench, and the Jazz just looked better in this game. Yeah, agreed. I mean, the only thing that uh, the only thing that uh, they really the Jazz really killed the uh, Denver Nuggets, and especially having top two center in the league as a point in the paint. Even though Rudy Gobert only had 19, uh, and Jokic had, I think, I'm not mistaken, almost like almost every single one of their points in the paint, they got outscored by 20 somehow. Uh, the the Nugget done it. The Jazz aren't a very big team. All they have is all they have really for height is Rudy Gobert. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., Jokic. That, I mean, they're two huge guys. I mean, but. This is going to be a good series. I think it can go into the six or seven in either way. Yeah, I think so too. The next game is extremely disappointing. Mm-hmm. The, I was very excited when I saw that Coach Brett Brown took Al Horford out the starting lineup and tried to uh, make him into a, uh, a strong six man for them and put Matisse Thybul in the game. And I was really excited that he did that. And it started off really well. They outscored the Celtics 33-17. to And then their second and third quarter, uh, the Sixers' second and third quarter was just terrible. Um, Joel Embiid had 34-10. and And Josh Richardson had 18-3-3. But for a guy like Tobias Harris making $200 million and only having 13 points, he did have 11 rebounds, but he shot 4 for 15. That's just not going to help the Sixers win, especially when – Simmons is out, and then you have a guy like Al Horford who's making so much money coming from Boston and playing 23 minutes, only taking three shots and four points. He didn't have a single assist, and he only had two rebounds. It's just unacceptable. Let, me just, add, that- let me just add this. Sorry to cut you off. That the Matisse Thibel played 25 minutes, shot two times the entire game, scored two points, and went negative 30 with, with that, a negative 30 plus minus, showing that when he's on the court, the Sixers are losing, and they're losing bad. He needs to get his confidence up and do what he normally does. You know, it was, I was very excited to see Alec Burks, who the Sixers traded for in February. He's been having a great bubble. Um, uh, since August 7th, he's had 22, 20, 23, 16, 18. And he had those 18 points against Boston were a strong 18. And it was disappointing to see him have two. I hope he can bounce back. And maybe they'll put him at uh, in the starting lineup over Matisse because I think Brett Brown needs to figure something out because I really thought that the Sixers were going to be able to challenge the Celtics even though they didn't have Simmons. And as expected, the Celtics inserted Marcus Smart into the starting lineup um, in the absence of Gordon Hayward. And he didn't even play that well. He was he had 10 points, 3 for 11 from the field, 1 for 7 from downtown. But Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, and Jalen Brown all had over 20 points. Tatum had over 30 with 8 triples. Um, Brown had six for six, was 6 for 6 from the line. Kemba was 5 for 5 from the line. This game really upset me because I really thought that the Sixers were going to be different. Um, Milton and Richardson played well, but you don't expect those guys to play well. I mean, Richardson has been a starter the whole year, but when you see guys like Tobias Harris and Al Horford um, having a combined um, 17 points, uh, when they're making $290 million between the two of them, it's very upsetting. 
Ethan, what's your take on this as a Sixer fan? It's such a horrible game. Even You know it's bad. Uh, no offense to Taco. He's a fan favorite, but he even got some minutes and even scored three points, more than Alec Burks. It's upsetting. It's, uh, even Matisse Thibel, a starter, played 25 minutes, scored two points. Taco plays three minutes and scores three points. I mean, such a horrible game. I, I got I kind of got excited in the in the first quarter. Not even gonna lie. Uh, we were up, not by a lot. We were up by uh, six points in the first quarter. It was we were shooting very good, and then uh, we go from uh, we go from making I think four of our three pointers in the first half, and then uh, I think Jay Rich had three of our five three pointers made. Uh, we shot a twenty three percent from three pointers. Ooh. And the Celtic shot forty four percent. I mean, I think it's really time to hit that reset button. Um, I've been saying it. I think I've said it every podcast, but I do not think Brett Brown is the guy anymore. No disrespect to him and no disrespect to Elton Brand either, but I just think they need a breath of fresh air in there. Um, Bring in a guy like David Fisdale, who's worked with the Miami Heat and knows that Heat culture. And people forget that he led the Grizzlies to the playoffs, you know, bring in a new person and maybe even bring in a new general manager instead of Elton Brand because things aren't just working out. And I think, you know, if we thought this year was bad, last year you had Butler, Harris, J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, and Embiid in your starting lineup. And no due respect, no no disrespect to the Raptors, but that team on paper could have easily made it to the finals. And I think Butler told us, like he told the public on J.J. Redick's podcast that, you know, Brett Brown is not vocal. There's no leader there. And I think it's really time to hit that reset button. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you go, you go, Kevin. Well, well, I mean, part of this is that Ben Simmons isn't playing. And Ben Simmons is like the key to this Philadelphia 76ers offense. He's their prime playmaker. Without Simmons, uh, like they don't really have – they're not really generating as much looks and shots as they would normally. Embiid is out there carrying the load on the floor, and it's proven. Everyone else, except for Jay Ridge, shot pretty bad. Um, and it just, like, people on the court are playing, and they're just not shooting well, or they're not taking their shots. The Sixers just need to step up, and they got to at least try to take a game before Brett Bounds out from uh, Philly. Oh, they better win one game. Otherwise, it's not going to be pretty when they get back to the Philadelphia. Mm. Um, it's disappointing when you're – uh, quote-unquote franchise player gets booted at home games. Um, but another point I was making, to your point, Kevin, you were saying about the Sixers and how Simmons is their main guy. You know, if that's the case, are they going to trade him? Are they not going to trade him? Um, you know, maybe they'll give him to the Cavaliers for um, the Cavs' fifth pick, and they can get um, maybe some of their young uh guards and that pick uh i don't know what the sixers can do but i i don't know how much longer simmons and mb can be playing together i I don't even think after this you saw Embiid's reaction to this on the bench he had his hands over his face sports center even posted about it i mean like i don't even think Embiid's gonna want to play for this team anymore if they keep playing like this i mean uh, how do you go from winning by five in the first quarter losing by 27 points to a team that's Honestly, not much better than them. I mean, it's embarrassing. I think the Sixers have one of the best starting lineups in the whole league. And they're losing. And they're getting out-rebounded, too. I mean, who was Daniel Tice? How, how tall is he? 6'9"? Embiid is what? I mean, Embiid, 
Embiid's a monster. I mean, I, I love think him. Embiid is showing that. I think Embiid is showing his do- dominance against Daniel Tyson, Enos Cantor. But mm-hmm. I think it's the other guys around him. At some point, he's not going to be able to do everything. Yeah. And it's crazy to think about it. He had a better game two than game one. Um, he had eight more points. He did have six less rebounds. Um, he also played three less minutes, but he was 12 for 13 from the line. He just needs to get some help, um, and they and he needs it fast. And I think they need they have they do not have confident shooters. They got rid of Marco Bellinelli and JJ Redick in the course of two years, and they did not bring another shooter into the photo, which I think is a problem. My personally, uh, I don't like Tobias Harris. He's gonna he's getting paid way too much money to not produce at all. I mean, his shooting performance has been horrible. Every time he shot the ball, I mean, he's been shooting horribly. I just expected him to miss it. And Furkan Korkmaz, I mean, come on, really? He's going he's gonna to be, quote-unquote, the best shooter on the team and play 16 minutes and have three points? Like, are you kidding me? And they all you know, came think, from free throws. Yeah, I think and, Brett Brown needs to give his guys the green light and, you know, give guys like Korkmaz and Burks a little more confidence because when no. you have a guy like Alec Burks, who I was saying earlier has been playing so well, um, from that stretch when he scored 22, this was the least amount of minutes he's played. Um, and he only played 15 minutes. I think that's just a bad coaching decision. And you only let him take two threes when he's been balling from outside lately. I just think he needs to give his guys the green light and let them play their game. Same with Furkan Korkmaz, who only shot three threes. I think that was one of the worst second half three-point uh, performances in like the whole season. And how do you go from having I – mean, I think I'm pretty sure Jay Rich hit more than half of our three-pointers. Just think about that. I mean, Tobias Harris, Matisse, Seibel, even Joel Embiid can shoot the three. Well, we'll see yeah. tomorrow on TNT at 6.30. The spread at the moment is Boston by five. I really hope the Sixers can pull one out. It would be disappointing to see them get swept. If the Sixers um, get swept, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. The next game, yeah. I was very happy about. Wait, wait, wait. Personally- let me just let me just say something else about this game. It's um that like, wait, hold on. I kind of lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. So basically, when Jimmy Butler went on the JJ Redick podcast, as we said earlier, um, he was also touching about like the locker room tension. I think that possibly what could be going on in Philly's locker room is a problem. I feel like the guys are getting less motivated and less confident when they go out there. You can just tell their morals aren't good. They need a someone. They need a coach. They need a. They need someone to motivate them when they go out on the floor to give it their all. They're clearly not leaving it all on the floor. They need. You know, to, they need something. I think Alvin Gentry got a raw deal. I do not think he should have been fired from the from New Orleans, but it is what it is. But I think he could also be a great fit in the uh, the 76ers organization. But uh, we'll see. Only time will tell. But and the biggest this, pro. Oh yeah, my start. You go. This last game uh, really showed that you know there's not a lot of confidence uh, that the players are playing with. Mm-hmm. And like Joel, like this team, I see Jason Tatum playing with so much energy. I mean, he like um, this has nothing to do with that. He he, he had a half court shot. I mean, it's like he's he's been playing insane and. The only the only person on the Sixers that's playing with some sort of energy is Joel Embiid, and he's been playing huge for us. He's he has to put this team on his back and carry it every single game, and it's just not fair that he has to do that. And and I mean, I would like I, I would like one of my one of my uh, players to score twenty points or twenty two points, have a consistent game. I mean, Tobias Harris started the bubble was great, and now he stinks. 
as a Sixers fan, uh, last thing about the Sixers, as a Sixers fan, who would you like to see in that locker room if Brett Brown gets fired? Would you like to see a guy like David Fisdale, Avin Gentry, maybe a Tyron Lue, Jason Kidd? What would you like to see in that locker room? Um, I don't know. I just need a coach out inspires the team. I mean, this team is playing with no heart, no desire, no nothing. I mean, it's didn't they say something about that? Like, didn't they say something about Jay Wright? Wasn't there like a topic? Yeah, there is multiple topic. report. There's there's topics about uh, ABC reporter Jeff Van Gundy coming out of retirement. I know he's been interested in the Nets job. There's been a lot of pieces. I know the Bucks associate head coach is interested. There's a lot of coaching positions. Uh, open right now. You think about it, you got the Nets, uh, you got uh, the 76ers, possibly. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, there's also the Pelicans. Uh, there's a lot of things open right now, more than usual, but uh, only time will tell. But this next game, I'm very excited about. I was very disappointed that they ejected Porzingis. But, uh, oh, um, that was last game. Yes, last game. Uh, I was very disappointed that they did that in game one. Game two, Porzingis played 36 minutes. Doncic only played 28 because he had five fouls. But they played very well. Um, they really showed that they can take the Clippers to a, an eight-game series between game one and game two. Um, Doncic, even with the five fouls, still had 28, eight, and seven and only had one turnover. Which which in a coach is uh, exactly what you want to see. Um, Porzingis twenty three point seven boards, and um, Tim Hardaway Jr. had seventeen, and then they had great production off the bench from Trey Burke and Curry, scoring sixteen and fifteen uh, respectively. But I think one of the uh, biggest helps for them was Boban coming off the bench. He only played nine minutes, but he had thirteen points, shot six for eight from the field, and grabbed nine boards. The Clippers were really being carried by Kawhi, who had 35 and 10, and who shot 13 of 14 from the line. But Paul George just couldn't turn it on. Four, 14 points, 10 boards, 4 for 17, 2 for 10 from deep. It wasn't a pretty game. Ethan, what are your thoughts on the Clippers' struggles and the Mavs uh, claiming uh, game as, two? As I said last game, I mean, I said uh, if, the Maver- if, if those referees didn't eject Porzingis, they would have won the game. I personally think that the Mavericks – uh, are a better team than this than the Clippers team. You might call me crazy, but I don't know. They just look much better. I mean, even the three point percentage. How, Luka Doncic only plays twenty eight minutes and scores twenty eight points, while Paul George plays thirty two minutes and scores fourteen. He doubled his points with less time. Obviously, a bad game, and the production of Lou Will was good. Uh, but uh, Landry Shamit, eighteen points, two minutes. Zubac, eighteen points, three minute, eighteen minutes, three points. Uh, but the most disappointing one probably was uh, Maxi Klebler. He's been playing good for them, actually. He played 33 minutes and only had four points. You know, I think in Zubat's case, for him to only have four boards when he's been consistently having uh, double-digit rebounds, um, he had a span from August 4th to August 12th where he had all double-digit rebounds. Um, it was a disappointing game for him, but they did give Harold more, uh, more minutes who played in his first game of the season since March 10th in game one. He only clocked in 15 minutes. Uh, Doc Rivers gave him more of the green light, and he played 22 minutes. He was 10. He had scored 10 points, 3 for 4 from the field, but he was 4 for 10 from the line, which isn't fantastic. But uh, the matches didn't look good last night. They didn't look uh, 
motivated. They didn't have um, – In the Clippers. Um, I mean the Clippers. They didn't have uh, Patrick Beverly, so they inserted Reggie Jackson, who had 11, which isn't terrible. But when you have Porzingis and Doncic scoring 20, Hardaway 17, and then three guys off the bench having over 10 – you're more than likely going to win that game. And this was a statement game for them because they were frustrated uh, of the way game one ended. Yeah, what do you think, Kevin? Well, it, it's one of the worst things to see your co-star not play well. And uh, we've, seen this other, we've seen this again uh, today, actually. We'll talk about that later. But uh, Paul George going four for 17 is quite unacceptable, especially for a team that's qualifying for the championship. Um, Kawhi Leonard carried out there. Uh, Lewis Williams or Lou Will had the bet the best performance off the bench for the Clippers had 23 points shot very well but other than that they only had like they didn't really have much produ- production off the bench have much production off the starting lineup either the Clippers just looked bad it shot terrible from the three uh, they had a lot of turnovers but and we we talked about this uh, on the other podcast Luka Doncic having a lot 11 turnovers in the first game he limited that all the way down to one turnover with um, seven assists, showing that he's not giving the ball up and making smart passes, helping his teammates, not giving the ball over, uh, leading to fast break points. Uh, and, yeah, and having and a, a, In a way, I think it was good that he had the five fouls because he only played 28 minutes, so he should be up and ready to go. And for 28 minutes of action to put up the numbers he put up, that's still uh, very impressive. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think he's a – a top seven player in the league. Yeah, uh, I totally think that. Moving on to the next game. So the next matchup we had was the Miami Heat versus the Indiana Pacers. It was a pretty close one. It was a pretty good. It was a pretty good game for the Miami Heat in a win. Uh, How do you feel about that one, David? I thought it was a a, a similar game to Game One. Um, the the Pacers looked strong early, um, and then once the third quarter came around, Miami. Uh, that's when they started to find their gear and take off. Um, Tyler Hero had 15 again off the bench. Um, Andre Gidala, Kelly Olenek both chipped in with seven. And then Duncan Robinson, who did not have a great game one, was seven for eight from downtown, scoring 24 points in only 25 minutes. And then Crowder had 10. Um, Butler had 18. And Goron had another strong performance with 20. Kevin, how did you feel about the Pacers – uh, Wait. Their starting five all had uh, over ten points, but they just couldn't get the job done today. How'd you feel about that? Um, like I said in the podcast number two yesterday, uh, Duncan Robinson didn't have a great game, but I knew that would change. He had an electric performance, went seven for eight from three, twenty-four points, and I knew he would come alive. One of the most consistent shooters in the NBA. You had Jimmy doing what he does best, got to the line eight times. Uh, he had a nice little performance, 18, 7, and 6. Bam Adebayo wasn't his best performance, but he did have a plus-minus of 19, which means he helps the team in ways that stats didn't, don't show, right? So, but moving on to the Pacers' side, TJ Warren went over 5 from 3, uh, and uh, Victor Oladipo went 5 for 14 from the field. They didn't shoot that well from 3. Pacers just aren't playing that good. Heat are just a better team here. And, yeah. You got Heat in four? I got Heat in five. I think the Pacers are going to take a game. Ethan, what do you have? Uh, I don't know, man. 
I think I have either Peter four and five. I don't think uh, Pacers are even gonna come close to making a comeback. I mean, Goran Dragic is been playing super consistent for you guys. Jimmy Butler putting up solid 18 again. I saw him hit a clutch three-pointer today. His time expired on the shot clock. Duncan Robinson obviously turned it on. Like, we, like all of a sudden, uh, the second podcast, we knew he's a great shooter. Probably right now the best in the league. Hero had another 15-point game. Contributed a lot. Pacer side, TJ Warren shot horribly from three. And you, I mean – I think if Victor Oladipo didn't go out in the first game, it would have been more of a competitive game. Maybe Pacers on top because Victor Oladipo obviously contributes a lot. 37 minutes and 22 points. Yeah. And he started off strong and then kind of faded, but uh, the four fouls didn't help either. But um, it was good to see Miami take a 2-0 lead. And um, it was cool. I mean, the Heat uh, had a franchise playoff record, uh, 18 made three-pointers. Um, obviously, Duncan 7 helped that. And Tyler's three, uh, three three-pointers helped that. But I just think the Heat are on a different level right now that uh, no one expected them to be on at all. And then I think these uh, mid-season trades acquiring Iguodala and Crowder really helped them. Yeah, but although the Heat are playing really well and beating the Pacers, I I still – I don't think that they're on the level – like of the teams, some teams in the West. I don't know. I don't think any team at all is playing particularly great. No one's showing themselves to be like beyond everyone else, final contenders. The Heat are definitely in the top like five though. But an interesting topic is uh, Victor Oladipo, rumored to go to the Miami Heat. Uh, There was videos of him talking to the Heat bench, being comfortable around them, laughing in like their little huddle. What do you guys think about the potential Victor Oladipo to Miami trade? That'd be huge, especially for the Heat. I mean, uh, I think he uh, he would take a starting role on their team, maybe not a strong six man. He's a great player, obviously an all star. I, I, I if that happened, I think that he would be a very, very, very strong team. I mean, yeah. they already are, but even stronger. I think it would just add another level of strong to the team, as you were saying, Ethan. Um, I've also been hearing stuff about Donovan Mitchell. Um, those two guys coming to Miami, that would be. Huge. Um, in my opinion, I think Miami is the top, one of the top two teams in the East right now. Um, maybe a little by a little bit behind um, the Raptors. We do have the Raptors number this year, two to one. But the Raptors did beat us in the bubble, which is definitely the most recent by far. Um, and I think we're on a a bit of a different level than the Bucks. Um, we didn't have Jimmy or Goron against the Bucks, and our young fellows were able to. Um, give themselves a 23-point lead. Obviously, it didn't go the way it should have went, in my opinion. Um, the Bucks don't look fantastic. Um, I thought they were going to blow it there for a sec today against the Magic. We'll get to that later. But I, I think the Raptors are level in the East right now. Yep. Moving on to the Thunder versus Rockets game. Another surprising game. We had the Rockets pulling out with the victory. Uh, you would call it a convincing victory. David, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, short and simple. I think the Rockets showed that, you know, even without Westbrook, Harden, it wasn't even Harden tonight, which is the scary part. Harden only had, uh, oh, excuse me. Harden did have 21 points. He had uh, 10 points with like four minutes left in the fourth. Um, but it was just a really strong team effort today. House had 19. Gordon had 15. Tucker had 14. Covington had 10. Rivers had 11. Green had 15. Um, 
and they really dug down deep because they were not playing well. They they had a five point lead at the end of the first, and then the second and third quarter, excuse me, especially the second quarter, they did not play well. But they had an amazing fourth quarter, and uh, it was nice to see uh, uh, Russell Westbrook cheering on his teammates and really giving them advice. Um, that's what you want out of a leader. But uh, I'm just I'm very upset and disappointed with um, Chris Paul's performance. I thought as a leader, uh, one assist shy in game one from a triple-double, I thought he would have a great game two considering they lost. But um, Georges Alexander was able to bounce back, but CP3 really wasn't. Yep. And, well, I even though the Rockets won in a convincing way, I still don't think that they played particularly well. You had your star score only 21 points. And the best, the second scoring went for 19 points. Although that all of them scored pretty well, their their shooting was terrible. We're talking about Eric Gordon going 0 for 10 for three in 6 or 20 from the field, 2 for 11 for three from Harden. I think when Russ gets back, they're going to actually start really clicking because if they're playing the way they are right now, I don't see them doing that well in the next round of the playoffs. But as you were saying, that Shea did bounce back. He had a bad game one, but this game he showed himself, proved himself to be a top player on this team. Chris Paul did disappoint me. A plus minus of negative 36. He didn't really help the team out that much when he was on the floor other than dishing out two assists. But that's not really what you want from Chris Paul as to known to be a great playmaker. But, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, I think of the Rockets, I mean, they they even got to they played every person on their lineup. I mean, and the lowest score was six points. I mean, obviously, six points isn't very good. But only playing fourteen. I mean, all the guys on their team played a lot of minutes, and they obviously performed. I mean, super duper duper consistent, especially off the bench. Eric Gordon, Jeff Green, Austin Rivers, all played great. Even Robert Covington, and then um um. Chris Paul did not perform at all. I, I'm not very happy with his performance. Again, back-to-back games where he did not really do anything. I'd like to see a little more from Dennis Schroeder, too, especially uh, being up for a six-man-of-the-year award. I think he should be doing a little bit more. And obviously, Shy is a great player. I think that the Rockets are going to take this one in four, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the Orlando Magic versus the Milwaukee Bucks. One versus eight. Convincing one for the Bucks. Bounce back... Uh further game one loss disappointing game one loss uh they bounce back david what you got to say about the bucks versus magic i wasn't really surprised but the magic looked like somewhat decent like they started off slow but they had a great third and fourth quarter they were able to close it to i think seven at one point um boost had another great game 32 and 10 they weren't able to get as much help from their other players as they did in game one, which is a big factor. Um, DJ Augustine was 0 for 5 from the field, but went 10 for 10 from the line. So he had 10 points there. But um, guys like Terrence Ross, who had 18, who shot 4 for 14 and only had 12. And then, excuse me, Gary Clark, who is starting in place of Aaron Gordon, who had 15 in game one only uh, bounced back and only had three. So he didn't really bounce back. But uh, the the Bucks, they still don't 
scare me at the moment. Uh, for Milton to have two points in 30 minutes is crazy. Um, Connington, I think, was a bright spot, putting up 15 and 11 in only 23 minutes. And uh, Giannis did Giannis things. He scored 28 points, had 20 rebounds. He did have seven turnovers and four fouls. And the other negative was he was only one for five from three, but they got the job done. Um, moving on to game three, I expect the Magic to pull another one eventually. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, um, I don't know. Depends. I think Middleton's going to have a huge bounce back. Uh, I don't think he's going to go out like this, going one for eight from the field and, uh, I don't know, 0 for four from three. Terrible performance from him. Bucks, like you said, don't scare me as a Raptors fan. They played bad. And to be quite frank with you, the only like bright thing that I've seen from the Bucks in the bubble, not in the bubble, in the bubble playoffs, is Giannis. He's the only one that's been producing, the only one that's been like showing what this team really is. And as analysts would say, that these guys are the um, finals contenders for the East. They don't really look the part, if you ask me. Agreed. I mean, I personally, uh, I mean, as I'm not a Villanova fan, but I support Villanova. You know, Philly. I think that Dante DiVincenzo will be playing a little bit more. I mean, 11 minutes, 11 points. It's very, very good, especially coming off the bench. I think Middleton been playing super bad in this series. I mean, Vucevic has been playing out of his mind. 35 points and then 32 points. I mean, if he can keep this up, I uh, agree with Kevin. I think they could take another one in this series. I said that. David, they can take another one in the series. Yep. Uh, then after the Magic game, we're going to move on to the Trailblazer. Last game of the night. Yeah, yeah. that was a disappointing game. Um, uh, the I really, truly thought that the Blazers would um, come back and take another. Um, for the Lakers, you know, LeBron saying all this on the bench, we're, we're different, we're different. You know, I don't think they're different from a lot of teams in the league. You know, they put up 111 points. Um, uh, you know, LeBron himself only had 10 points on four for 11 and had six turnovers. You know, it was nice to see J.R. Smith put up 11, KCP put up 16, and AD had a fantastic game putting up 31 and 11. But um, it wasn't Danny Green still shooting like, I don't know what, going one for four again. Um, you know, this was a win for the Lakers, but I don't think LeBron played well at all. And I had some flashbacks to the 2011 finals when LeBron, for some reason, could not get past J.J. Barea. And when uh, the Blazers coach put Gary Trent Jr. on him, he gets all he backs him up all the way into the paint and then misses a one footer. You know, if the Lakers if he's gonna play like that, the Lakers have no chance in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, as as uh Ethan said in the last podcast with a very bold prediction of the the Blazers beating the Lakers, um, if the Blazers are gonna lose to a not so good performing Lakers team, I don't see that happening at all. You had your star player, superstar player going 6-14 and scoring 18 points in 30 minutes as Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum scoring only 13 points. This was a really bad game for the Blazers, but it wasn't necessarily a great game for the Lakers either. I think they need to stay humble but be confident at the same time. But 
yeah, the saying I'm different on the bench and stuff, it's a little it's a little over the top if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, a uh, couple things here actually, you know, uh, the, the Blazers bench did nothing. Only on free Simmons, 11 points. Damian Lillard, uh, as known, he dislocated his finger towards the end of the game, only playing 30 minutes, usually playing a lot more than that. He did come out publicly, though. Saying uh, he will play in game three. Yep. So that's, I don't that's, know. that's a winner's mentality right there. That definitely is a winner's mentality, but I think Zion could have said the same thing. And, you know, it's really up to the training staff. It looked like it did not look as bad as Joel and Beads, but it did not look pretty. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah. that is a, definitely a winner's mentality right there. And the, only, the other thing is uh, early in the game, I started watching. I saw Camelo Anthony score his first bucket in the first quarter. Then he goes on to play uh, 27 minutes and only have two points. I think yeah. – and Jusuf Nurkic coming off of a huge game, only scoring nine. I mean, I think both these t- teams played horrible tonight. I mean, obviously Anthony Davis, 31 points. All-star, probably the best four or five in the league. Damian Lillard, 18. He should be performing much better if he really wants to have a chance in the series. I still think the – I still personally uh, – it's a bold prediction, but I personally think that the – Blazers could still take this one. And I'm going with Ethan there. I still think the Blazers have a chance. Um, if they if if they can, if you ask me, the Blazers start Nurkic at the five, who is seven foot, and they start Wien Gabriel at the four, who is six nine. The Lakers start Davis, who is six ten. And McGee, who is seven foot, I believe that Nurkic is athletic enough to guard Davis, and I think that uh, Terry Stocks should put Whiteside back in the lineup and have him play the five and guard Javale McGee, even when Zach Collins gets healthy. Um, that's just my personal opinion because I think uh, game one and game two when they're together. Something clicks, so I think a lineup of Lillard, McCollum, Anthony, Nurkic, and Whiteside could really do some damage. And uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts on us picking the Blazers to win the series? I think it's blasphemy. I don't think the Lakers are going to go out in the first round, especially because LeBron does have something to prove after not making the playoffs last year. I think they're going to take this in five. Um, five? Yeah. You don't think the Blazers are going to get another no, game? I don't. So if you ask me, with so you think the Lakers are gonna win in five? Do you think the Rockets will win in four? Mm, I I I think I don't think it's a I don't think it's crazy to say that because of the way the Thunder have been playing. So what are you? How do you feel about? Well, I mean the Lakers and the Rockets are on a different level. So how do you feel about a Rockets Lakers matchup in the semis? Who who would you take in? Well, I mean, that depends if Russell Westbrook plays, and that depends on how will the Lakers play in the rest of the first-round matchups because if I see them to start getting their groove like that we saw in the regular season, then I would take the Lakers. But if not, and they're playing their bubble way, it could go either way. But I'm not sure yet either because the Rockets haven't – I haven't seen their entire first round yet either. It's too early to tell for me. I'm still yeah. taking the Blazers in six or seven, and well, I mean, Ethan is with that too. I can, I, yeah, I can see where Kevin's coming from, though. Obviously, uh, in the goat conversation, some would say LeBron James. I mean, not performing like it at all, and 
I listened to Paul Pierce earlier talk about he personally doesn't believe LeBron James is a top five player in the NBA. He's a hater, man. You and, know, even if LeBron goes out in the first round, he still has three chips. He made it to eight straight finals. I just think Paul Pierce is a hater. Yeah, but personally, I mean, if I, I think that if LeBron James and Anthony Davis go out in the first round against the eight-seed Blazers that, like, I don't – I agree with Paul Pierce on this one. I don't think that LeBron should be in goat talk. Obviously, he's been doing some crazy things. People's been saying age hasn't affected him, but he has not been performing that well. Oh, age has definitely affected him. And I think the bubble has really affected him. Agreed. Um, but if you look at if you look at um Dwayne Wade, LeBron and Bosch, they never didn't make it to a finals. And I think if Davis and LeBron get out the first round LeBron and Kyrie never did that. That would be so bad. And the most disappointing thing is Danny Green having so much playoff experience. He's been playing so bad for them. He's been so, he's been such a great shooter in the season. I mean, well, like the bubble, sure the, the bubble is different though. Like from like the yeah, actual. but a lot of these players are saying it's easier to shoot. A lot of them are actually because they're saying that it's like is, their old games. Yeah, and Danny Green is not 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 one of the best shooters in the league, but he's a great shooter. And him shooting horribly is just like unheard of. He's been playing, he's been in the playoffs for several years. I mean, like, he won two chips. Yeah, I think this is horrible by him. I think he needs it's to it, it's. I think I think there's obviously a chance for him to bounce back, especially in this series because it's probably. It could be a long one. It could it could be like short. If depends on how he performs. Like if he starts picking it up, gets on a hot streak, this could be uh, over before we know it. But either way, I don't like you. You were saying earlier, if you think the LeBron goes on the first round, he shouldn't be in goat talks. Well, I can see that what you're saying in a, in a way, but I don't think that his entire career should just be discredited. Just because yeah, no, I, I said that, that, but I think that. Personally, I think the two greatest players of all time right now are LeBron James and then uh, are LeBron James and uh, Michael Jordan. But Le- Michael Jordan never had like a, I mean, Scottie Pippen was a great player, but he was never like Anthony Davis. Like Scottie Pippen in his time was never as good as Anthony Davis is in his time. And I and think Michael, same with D Wade. Yeah, and and Michael Jordan was was able to ch- achieve more things. So I think that if LeBron James goes out. With Anthony Davis on his team, then I think it's a clear—not a clear, but in my opinion, I think LeBron. I mean, Jordan takes this one. Yeah, well, I never said Jordan isn't the goat because I think Jordan is the goat. But yeah, yeah, Jordan's definitely the goat as it is right now. And only if LeBron wins this championship, I think it's debatable. At the moment, I think he's like the unanimous, undisputable goat. But yeah, so. All right, uh, so what we're going to be doing now as after uh, we reviewed all these games is we're going to be going to the NBA draft lottery, uh, obviously a big thing for some of these teams. Uh, first off, with the 14th pick, uh, the Boston Celtics, um, uh, obviously a big thing for them. What do you guys think about the – who do you guys think is going to be taken for the 14th pick of the Celtics? Um, uh, David, I'll let you go first. Uh, I think uh, they could use another guy um, similar to Gordon, Hay- uh, similar to Gordon Hayward, who could play the forward, who could play the guard. Uh, I think they're gonna go with Devin Vassell, uh, the guard forward from Florida State. 
Um, yeah, I think Devin Vassell is a great pick. But I think that the Boston Celtics, if this player is available, they're going to look at Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky. If he's still available at the 14 pick, um, I think he's a great talent, shows great potential, um, good score. Sure. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that they should take, you know, their team isn't very big. I mean, this guy isn't very big. He's only 6'9". I think Precious Achua from Memphis, a great player. I mean, yeah, they need, they need one of those big guys, you know. They don't, have, they don't have one. All they have, Daniel Tice and him would be uh, great at the four and the five, personally. Mm-hmm. All right, so then with the 13th pick, which was awarded to New Orleans, what do you guys think about that? Uh, I actually have the Memphis forward center, uh, Precious Akumwa here. Um, I think when you look at the seven, when you look at the New Orleans Pelicans, they they struggled at the five position, you know, alternating between Hayes and Favors. Um, and even Zion at some points. And even Zion. And then when Zion is your starting four, I don't know how consistent Nico Melli is, and that's why I think you get a young talent from Kentucky in Precious, who's been coached by Penny Hardaway. Yeah, I think I think Precious is a great pick here uh, for the New Orleans Pelicans. But I think that since they have Jackson Hayes there and Zion, I think that personally this is where I would take Devin Vassell, um, Florida State guy, great player, small forward, good scorer. I think this is a, it would be a good pick for the Pelicans. Yeah, I also have another Florida State guy. It's not Devin Vassell. It's Patrick Williams, a small yeah. forward. I mean, he can he can play the two and the three. He's small forward, six eight. I mean, uh, New Orleans needs shooters. Mm-hmm. They do. I mean, I think that I don't I don't think taking a big man would be uh, necessary because Jackson Hayes obviously a young player. It hasn't proven anything yet, but still has a lot to prove. He seems very very talented. So I mean, I'm my pick. I would I would take Patrick Williams out of Florida State. All right. All right, so with the 12th pick, the Kings were awarded it. What do you, David, what do you think about that one? You think they uh, I think the, the Kings definitely need some help with the point guard, guard position. Um, oh. To back up uh, De'Aaron Fox, so I took Tyrese Haleburton, the guard from Iowa State. Oh, interesting pick. I, I think Tyrese Haleburton would go earlier, to be honest, for me, um, because I think he's a great talent, but for the backup point guard position, if Cole Anthony's there, he's an exciting prospect. Uh, North Carolina, of course. I think that they would rather they would rather take Cole Anthony. Interesting, because I have Cole Anthony going way earlier. Not way earlier, but I have him going a bit earlier, so that's interesting. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Ethan. I agree with – I actually agree with Kevin on that one. I mean, if Cole Anthony is there, they do need help. Backup point guard position. I mean, Cole Anthony is very enticing pick. He might go earlier. He might not, but – if he's still there, I think the Pelican. I think um, that the the Kings are going to snag him. Mm-hmm. All right, with the eleventh pick, the San Antonio Spurs. David, what do you think? Um, I'm actually going to take a guy that you said earlier. I think the Spurs definitely need some help at the forward position. Um, you know, for the moment they have Demar, they have Dejounte Murray, they have Lonnie Walker. Um, oh, great so guys. I think I think uh. They should take a, a nice forward who can also play some guard in uh, Tyrese Maxey, guard forward from Kentucky. Agreed. He's a great That's player. It's a good pick. What do you think, Kevin? Well, here I think uh, 
The Spurs, I think that they need someone exciting, to be honest. I think they need someone fresh. That's why I think that they should take Kira Lewis Jr. from Alabama, average 18 points in uh, college, uh, dished out five assists, five rebounds. Pretty versatile guy. I think he's one of the top five point guards in this draft. I think he's pretty exciting, pretty young guy, and I think he'll be good fit for the Spurs. I chose a different guy. I chose uh, Killian Hayes. Yep. He's not He's not a known name that much. Uh, France guy. Yeah, he's played uh, over, overseas. He's a great player. He's a point guard, too. I mean, he's but he's a big point guard. He's like a Lamello-type player, 6'5", 185 pounds, only 18 years old. And, um, I mean, DeJounte Murray, Derek White, and Lonnie Walker, they haven't they – haven't, they haven't stepped up their performance that much. And I think that taking Killian Hayes would really help them. Mm-hmm. All right. With uh, the 10th pick in the draft, uh, the Phoenix Suns were awarded it. Yeah. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, I think, also need some help at the, the point guard position. They do have Ricky Rubio, but behind him, I think their only other options are Cameron Payne and uh, Jerome Carter. So I think this is a great opportunity to take RJ Hampton, uh, the youngster from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great pick. I think the Phoenix Suns also need a point guard. As you said a little bit later on in the draft, David, I think that this is where Tyrese Halliburton would go. Uh, I think he's a beast uh, from Iowa State, sophomore, got some experience. And, uh, yeah, I think this is where the Suns would take uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Mm-hmm. I agree with David on this one. I think Arthur Hampton would be a great pick for this team, for the Phoenix Suns. I mean, behind Ricky Rubio, no one's been performing. Ricky Rubio is a great player, but I mean, personally, I think that. How old is Ricky Rubio? Uh, he was the same. He's the same draft as Curry. I'm not sure if they're the same age, but he was drafted that year. So. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, he's not getting to the end of his career, but he's a pretty old guy. I mean, and I, I wouldn't that... see. I wouldn't see them doing something similar to what Sporcher did, um, having Rubio be their sixth man and maybe going with the. The youngster, RJ yeah, Hampton that's what at I was the, gonna at say. The starting position. I think they could do that too. That'd be interesting to see. I All think right. him and uh, him and Booker could be a very, very dynamic backcourt. Mm-hmm. On to the ninth pick, the Washington Wizards. What do you think, David? Uh, this is where I'm taking the France guard, Killian Hayes. Um, you know, John Wall and Bradley Beal. You're really not ever sure, and I think they could use some depth at the one and the two position. I also t- think uh, Killian Hayes is a great fit for the Washington Wizards. Consistent guy um, you can rely on. Great potential, and yeah. I, I actually picked Devin Vassell on this one from Florida State. Six foot seven shooting guard. They, uh, If they lose Bertans in free agency and John Walls is set to return next season, I think they could use his backup shooting guard. Plus small forward on this one. So I think they take uh, Devin Vass on this one. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, with the eight pick, the eighth pick of the New York Knicks, this is an interesting one. Uh, this is where um, I'm taking a guy who can handle the spotlight, who can be uh, put right into it. And I think the Knicks are very um, – I think R.J. Barrett's in need of a, a backcourt uh, teammate. Um, and this is where I'm taking Cole Anthony. I, uh, he didn't have the best year at UNC, but I think he's a very explosive player that can do a lot of things, and he's uh, not afraid to be in the spotlight. So I'm taking Cole Anthony right here. And here, this is where I'm going to take um, Isaac Okoro from Auburn. Yeah, that's yeah. a good 
Yeah, I think uh, the New York Knicks need a forward because uh, they have Nila Kina and they have um, uh, R.J. Barrett, of course, and they have Mitchell Robinson at center. I just think they need a win- wing player. So I think that's why they take uh, Isaac Okoro. Yeah, I took uh, Denny Advita. I mean, overseas guy. From Israel, he, Jewish. He, he is. He's been playing great. I mean, and the Knicks do – I mean, with the addition of R.J. Hampton, I mean, he's been playing – R.J. Hampton's having a okay – You mean R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett. Uh, Barrett has been playing – has been having an okay rookie season. Julius Randle played great for the Knicks. And uh, Mitchell Robinson, who's a developing center – has been doing good, but he's a he's a guard slash small forward, six foot nine, two fifteen pounds. Who can handle the ball and shoot pretty well. I mean, uh, and he's a great defensive player. So I think that uh, this would be a good pick for them. All right, seventh pick, the Pistons. What do you guys think? Um, you know, uh, I think that uh, Griffin is coming to the end of his career, and I don't think he um he's not coming to the end, but I do think he's going. He's going down the mountain now. He's going down the opposite direction. Yeah, I mean, with the injuries and stuff. And they gave away Andre Drummond. So I'm going to take LaMelo Ball's former high school teammate, forward center, uh, USC guy, um, Okinya Okungwu. That is a great pick because that's also my pick. I I think Onyeka Onyeka. Sorry for my pronunciation. Yeah, I think Okungwu. Yeah, I think he's a great pick because the Detroit Pistons, especially on the leave of uh, Andre, need a center forward big, and they could even run the small ball if they wanted to, honestly. So, so I think. Uh, yeah, I, I chose I chose um, Tyrese Halberton out of Iowa State at guard. I mean, Christian Wood. It's interesting. He's he's been playing great for the Pistons. I mean, he's had. Wait, some- Ethan, can you repeat your pick? Who'd you say again? Tyrese, Tyrese Halberton out of oh, Iowa yes, State. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, dealing away Drummond and waving Reggie Jackson. There's no pick for. There's no point guard. I mean, they need they need help on this team. So I think uh, he'd be able to help them out a lot. All right, and yeah. also elaborating on your pick, I I think I have um, Onika Okungu or however you pronounce it. I think I'm, I have him going a little earlier in the draft. So if he's still available, I think that'd be a great pick for them too. Mm-hmm. All right, with the sixth pick, Atlanta Hawks. What do you think, David? Um, this is where I'm going to take the Israeli guard forward, Denny Advingia. Um, in my opinion, I think that uh, John Collins, um, a healthy Clint Capella, um, you have DeAndre Hunter who can back up uh, John Collins. You have Cam Reddish who can play the 2-3. I think putting Denny in there to add more depth at the guard forward position is uh, what the Hawks need. That's a good pick, but I think that's too good of a pick because I think it'll go a little bit earlier. That's why I have Aaron Nesmith here because the Hawks had terrible shooting, three-point shooting last season, and Aaron Nesmith is a 52% three-point shooter. So I what think – What's he from? Vanderbilt. Uh, I think he's going to be a great pick for the Hawks and consistent shooter. Uh, here I went with uh, Isaac Okaru out of Auburn, small forward. Uh, kind of an undersized small forward, 6'6", six, six, not bad. Nope, great defender. Yeah, he is. And uh, Auburn actually did pretty good this season too. I think uh, that they could use some help there. I mean, with Trey Young, Clint Capella, John Collins, this team could be scary. Oh, I think all they need is a uh, – 
a three, and I think he'd fit that perfectly, especially with his defense. On to the fifth pick, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So my fifth, fourth, third, second, and first pick all matched the most recent ESPN guy um, who came on on ESPN after the lottery. So him and I both had Isaac Okaro adding some depth to the Cavaliers to go along next to Kevin Porter Jr. And I think this team could really be scary. You know, when you come to think about it, you could have Garland at the one, Sexton at the two. Um, you got Okaro. Uh, you got Porter Jr., Love, and Drummond. This could be a a decent Cavaliers team if you take mm-hmm. o- uh not not just Okaro, but I have Okaro here going to the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good pick. I think Okaro's a beast. But um, here is where I have uh the Israeli star, Danny Avija. Um, I think he's gonna be a great fit for the Cavs. Exciting player, and yeah. Yeah, I think, you, as you guys said, uh, I said I think this guy would go a little later. I meant a little earlier. I think uh, Onyeka Okungwu, 6'9", power forward slash center. Definitely will help with the depth there at the, back, at the front court. Yeah, 19 years old. I mean, him and Drummond could be a scary duo. That's true, especially mm-hmm. with an aging Kevin Love. Yep. All right, so f- going into the top four picks, lottery picks, uh, before the Chicago Bulls. I got Obi Toppin forward from Dayton. To, uh, yep. I think he would be a great pair with Zach Levine. Um, you got Markinen at the four. You could put Toppin at the three. Uh, you got Kobe White at the one. Wendell Carter at the five. And Levine at the two. I think this a right coach uh, for Chicago could be a, a scary team. And I think Obi Toppin is a physical guy who could play the three or the four and who could bring a lot of help to them. I think that's a great pick because that's also my pick. I have Obi Toppin going number four. Chicago Bulls going to be great, great pairing. Add some great talent to the Bulls, and they already have a uh, Kobe White, Levine, and Obi Toppin would be a great fit. All right, so I might get a little bit of hate for this one. I mean, I might get a little booze, but it's okay. At four, I have Lamelo Ball. Oh no way! No, I think. All right, listen, listen, listen here. All right, Lamelo Ball is a one or two, right? Yes. All right. Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry. No, no, no. It's a known fact. It's almost set in stone that the Warriors are going to get Wiseman because right. now you have Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Green, and Wiseman. That that puts them right back into championship contender, in my opinion. I, I don't I know, man. I, I But I, I think I have LaMelo Ball going for. I mean, the, the only thing the Hawks need, not I mean, the Bulls need, is a, is a one. I mean, their team is not very good yet, but I think if – Lamelo Ball and uh and uh Zach Levine run the one and two. It could be scary if he drops a four though, which would be interesting to see. All right, with the third pick in which was a only a six percent chance of pick, six uh, percent chance of getting a top four pick. We have the Charlotte Hornets. Mm-hmm. So basically, what I put is I put um Anthony Edwards from Georgia, um and to me, the Whoa, first three there? picks. Yep, I'm here. The All right, first, who'd you say? The, I've said Anthony Edwards from Georgia at pick number three to Charlotte. Oh. Um, in my opinion, these first three picks are all going to be decided on which teams had them. And I've been seeing a lot of um, LaMelo and Wiseman to Minnesota and Golden State. And no. it just really 
it just really was who was going to get the first, second, and third pick. Um, if you think about it, Edwards reminds me a little bit of MJ. Not not too much. He's a hard-nosed guy. You can't even say their name in the same breath. Yeah. He's a hard-nosed guy. He he was a great player at um, at Georgia. He he can do a lot of good things, um, and I think he'd match up well with uh, Devontae Graham. Um. Well, I think that Anthony Edwards is going to go a little earlier, and that's so why. Do I. I think James Wiseman is the right pick here for the Hornets. Due to There's their no game. way the Warriors are going to sleep on him. No, no way. I agree with Kevin on that one, though. Um, so, so oh, both... wait, hold on, wait, hold on. Let me think here, actually. I I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. You go first, then I'll think. All right, so I think that James Wiseman is a pick. Obviously, if the Warriors don't take him, I think that um, they have, uh, the Hornets has been struggling a lot. P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges are – and Terry Rozier has been the whole team, basically. They, they, need, they need help, and I think the addition of Wiseman – if he drops a three, it would be I don't great. think he will. That's the problem. I think the Warriors are like set with him. You know, they're definitely not going to get a guard. They have Curry, Thompson. You know, even Wiggins can play the two. It's going to be Wiseman, in my opinion. Uh, I'm actually. What do you think? After rethinking, um, I think this is. It's a really tough. These top three are really tough for me. Yeah, they can. They can honestly go any way between because of how the picks were made and how Minnesota's one Golden State's two and uh, the uh, Hornets are three. That's why I have um, Edwards three. But I, Uh, I I don't know. I, I, all right. So yeah, for my number three pick, I think that the Hornets are going to take Anthony Edwards. Oh, there's no way he drops a three. Well, see, Ethan, you haven't said Toppin yet, so Toppin's still on your board. Wait. He is still on my board. Toppin is still on your board? Yeah. I had Toppin at four to Chicago. He, he, I had he, Toppin at four to Chicago. He won uh, Player of the Year, if you guys didn't know. Uh, I think we knew. I think we knew. All right. Uh, Ethan, do you want to introduce us to Oh, the, the second pick? pick? The Warriors. Obviously, uh, they were favored 14% to go. Uh, so. Yeah. This think? was a very simple pick for me. You have Curry and Thompson, arguably the best backcourt of all time. You got Andrew Wiggins, who you acquired in February. You still have Draymond. It's simple. You're missing pizza the center. Go with James Wiseman. You know, in my opinion, Minnesota is not going to go for a center when you have Carl uh, Anthony Towns. So it's simple. Go with Anthony. Uh, go with James Wiseman. Ethan, who do you have? As I said, I have Obi Toppin going two to the Warriors. That is that is blasphemy. I don't think the Warriors are passing up on James Wiseman, who is a freak athlete, an absolute beast from high school, and proven to be a beast, a center who they need, seven one, passing up. But on the thing him. is, the thing is that uh, oh, there's also been reports that the Warriors might not even select their pick. They That's might very trade true. It. I've heard about they they. Well, I'm sure Bob Myers not- will look into trades, but, but yeah, but, but, right but now. that's not relevant at all because we don't know who's going to get the pick or if exactly. the Warriors traded at all. So if the Warriors had the pick, they would take a center in James Wise. Yeah. First pick. Uh, you want me to go first? Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, David. So you, you can think? say it. Um, because the Timberwolves went first, like I think if the Timberwolves were third and the Hornets were first, I think Edwards would go first. But because the Timberwolves are first, I've seen a lot of uh, – 
LaMelo Ball to the Timber uh to the Timberwolves. And I agree. I think uh D D-Lo at the one, Melo at the two, you got uh James Johnson in there and Cat and you got Malik Beasley. I think this could be a team that uh can be uh much improved from this past season. And I think going LaMelo number one is the way to go. Yeah, I think LaMelo's versatile player. And the Brooklyn – or not the Brooklyn, the Minnesota Timberwolves need someone electric, and they need someone that's going to, like, make a big jump for their team because they need it. And, and I think Melamelo's that guy. Yeah, and I think I could see – I personally can see uh, LaMelo being with Zelo and Cat. I could just see that offense uh, getting along well. And, yeah. Uh, my first pick is uh, Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Yeah, that's that, that's that's a great that's, that's a uh, respectable pick. Yeah, yeah I mean, and and the thing is that uh, uh, Juan Hernan Gomez after after um, uh, they're gonna be free agents after this year, and they're gonna need depth. I know he plays a four, but I mean, they just need players. I mean, Andrew Wiggins, Jeff Teague, Robert Covington, all gone. I think that uh, with Anthony Edwards, that Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns would be lethal. Yeah, that's a respectable pick. Yep. Well, that's our uh, 2020 NBA mock draft, if the picks were selected as they were. Thanks for watching the On the Court podcast and tune into the next episode later. Peace. Yes, sir. Peace out. Peace.